Welcome to Living Social Justice Podcast, an initiative of Common Ground Church and Common Good, where we explore our lifestyle response to topics of social justice. Our hope is that a growing number of Christ followers begin to individually and collectively live out justice, creating a groundswell of positive change in our society. I'm joined today by Ruth Lundy, who manages Common Good's early life initiative, Sigwenye, which means we are together. With her husband, Richard, Ruth serves on the leadership team of Common Ground Church Weinberg. Ruth has a BA Honours degree in Psychology and Theology, and she has spent most of her career working in the community development space. Prior to joining Common Good, Ruth ran a business consulting to NGOs, providing staff development training to the likes of the Western Cape Education Department, and she has also lectured at the South African College of Applied Psychology. Ruth is a wife and mother of three children, and she is passionate about social justice and community development. Good evening, everybody. Um, So I'm going to take a slightly different tack, and I want you all for a moment, I want you all to close your eyes. And while your eyes are closed, I want you to reflect on the time in your life of greatest joy, a joyful memory. I want you to think about who are those people that are with you in this moment? What is the source of this joy? Now I want you to take another moment and I want you to quickly think of maybe something that's happened in this last week that was maybe a source of disappointment or sadness or hurt. Again, I want to ask you who is in that moment with you? Who is not with you in that moment? I'd like you to open your eyes now. As we reflect on these moments in our lives, I would hazard a guess that of the range of memories that came up in that moment, that in those times of joy, there were people there. And not just any people, close friends, family, significant people in your life. And I would also hazard a guess that those times of disappointment, sadness, and hurt, they also involved people in our lives. And the closer the relationships are with those people, the deeper the emotion. That it is in those moments that we are connected and disconnected from people that cause some of the most significant memories in our lives. We weren't thinking about inanimate objects. We weren't thinking about our cell phones or appliances. But I would suggest that all of us sitting here tonight, each of those memories we just thought of were related to people. And this is very, very important for us to remember. Why? Because relationships are a significant part of our lives. We are all, every single one of us sitting here, hardwired for connection. Deep down in every single one of us is this deep desire to be loved, to be recognized, and to be seen. We all want to belong, and we have been created for this type of relationship. When we think about the fact that we have been created in the image of God, we see that God is in perfect unity and in perfect relationship and in perfect love with the the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are in perfect unity and perfect relationship at all times. And it is this very image of God that has been imprinted into every single one of us. And this deep need for connection and relationship starts right at the very beginning of our lives. 
Internationally, we've seen a great deal of research, grappling and thinking being done by multiple experts in the field saying, what do all children everywhere need to thrive? And experts from around the world have come together and they've written up what we've called the nurturing care framework. I'm not tonight going to go into all the detail of this framework, but I do want to explain some key elements in this around what is nurturing care and what does this have to do with relationships that I've just spoken about. So to go into very quickly, what is nurturing care? And we see that nurturing care is that something that every child everywhere needs. Nurturing care is defined as a stable environment that is sensitive to the child's health, nutritional needs, and that provides protection from harm and opportunities for learning, early learning. These interactions, relationships, are responsive, emotionally supportive, and developmentally stimulating. Please note that interactions, these things don't just happen on their own. The child doesn't just get nutrition by themselves. They don't just happen to have good health and just happen to have opportunities for early learning. There's some key component in that definition that I want us to take a little closer look at. Um, when we look at this nurturing care, they've put it into a circle. So if you see a circle there where we have these opportunities for early learning, good health, adequate nutrition, and opportunities for early learning and then this responsive caregiving. This is the critical factor that I want to focus on tonight. And who is primarily responsible for giving a child all of these building blocks? You would be right to say if you said the parent, the mother, the father, the primary caregiver in this child's life, the family members, they are primarily responsible to give this child love and care. Research shows us again, over and over again, that an infant's brain expects and depends upon receiving this nurturing care. And very importantly, the family is at the center of providing this. Um, I would like to show you a quick video that demonstrates how vital this relationship is between the mother and the child. So you can take a moment just to turn to the screens. I know as a mother, I find that video quite hard to watch because all, everything in me wants to jump in there the moment the child starts to lose its composure. But I think that is exactly what's, how God has designed us. That video very clearly shows how important that interaction is between the mother and the baby, between the dad and the baby. If the dad was in that video, it would be the same. That we as parents are reading the cues of our children and are following the cues of our children, that this interaction is so important. And the implications of this video is that this is relevant for every parent, regardless of wealth, status, socioeconomics, that it's not about the nutrition or the access to healthcare, but it's got to do with that relationship between the parent and the child. Um, we see that what is standing in the way of parents doing this is there are many distractions, like alarm systems. We have many distractions in our modern lives that are distracting us from interacting well with our children. Whether it be the digital world and the cell phone and the email that we're sitting in front of, or whether it be the fact that one in three women in South Africa are struggling with postnatal depression and struggling to engage emotionally with their children or whether it be the many adversities and stresses that a vast majority of families in South Africa are struggling with. I can see this in my own life. When I'm feeling a little bit stressed and work is a bit overwhelming, 
when I get home, I find it hard to engage with my children and I find it hard to be patient and calm and it's far easier to get snappy with them. There are many things in the way from us responding in this way. Um, and so when we look at this a little bit deeper, we see that one of the things that I really agreed with Dr. Linda Richter, she was one of the key authors in writing the Nurturing Care Framework. And she said that she thinks we've made a little bit of a mistake in the way that we've illustrated the Nurturing Care Framework. Because in putting them in a circle like that, it makes it look like they're all equal, that all of those needs are equal. But actually, when we look at it a little bit closer, we see that responsive caregiving is such a vital part of those components that she suggests that we should actually be moving responsive care to outside of the circle and putting it around the needs. If we can go to the next slide, sure. Um, if we put responsive care around, we can see that it is holding all of those needs together. Because then when a parent is responsive to the child's needs, they are able to res give responsive nutrition responsive protection from harm. They're able to engage with the child in stimulating play and singing and talking when they see that the child is open for that type of relationship. So it's in this relationship that we see children thriving when responsive caregiving is around the outside of the circle. We see that all children need at least one loving, stable, supportive relationship in their life. And this is foundational for all the other inputs that the child needs to grow and to thrive. And it is this type of relationship that allows the brain to grow and to flourish. But my next question is, what do parents need to provide this responsive caregiving? Sarah mentioned earlier all the things standing in the way of parents. I've mentioned a few things. What do all parents need in order to do this. We know that many parents are isolated and disconnected. Many parents are finding it very lonely and very hard, that work is demanding. There's all of these things standing in the way of parents. And we would suggest that all parents everywhere need support. Every parent needs a village of people around them that is practically coming around them to help them ensure that they're able to provide the nurturing, responsive care that their child needs and requires. That we were not meant to do this on our own. Um, experts say that when parents are struggling with all of these multiple adversities, that it has a negative impact on their child. And when parents are struggling to cope, struggling with depression, they are unable to actively move towards their child. So this very importantly puts the spotlight on the well-being of our parents. Um, we need to pay close attention to the health and well-being of our parents. We need to engage with our parents. We need to connect with them, with our mothers, with our fathers. We need to see how are they doing. Um, this was also very hi highlighted in Polani, they did a home visiting training, a home visiting where they go in and visit parents, and they did a bit of a, did some research into the space, and they found that where families were receiving support and care, the children were doing better. They were reaching their milestones, as opposed to the parents that weren't receiving support. And that this support does have a knock-on effect on the child's um, flourishing and growth, because the, child, the parent is able to support better. So what does this mean? It means that the old saying, it takes a village to raise a child, is still true today. And we need a community of caring people 
around our parents. And this is where I'd suggest that the church plays a significant role. And this village, this support system needs to echo what the child needs. The people, adults need to be seen. They need to belong. They need to be accepted. They need to be, feel like I'm safe in the space, that I can come with my hair a mess and I haven't slept and I can still be accepted and it's okay to be like this, um, that I'm recognized. Um, we need to be able to see our parents. Too often when we see a cute newborn baby, we ooh and ah over the baby and we ask the mother, what's your baby's name? And how old is your baby? And is it a boy? And is it a girl? And we, we want to give the baby a cuddle and a kiss. But how often have we stopped and looked at mom and said, how are you today? Does mom feel seen in that moment? Or does she kind of just feel like the person carrying the baby? And then how often do we actually stop and look at dad and say, dad, how are you doing? Or has dad become completely invisible in the story? And so we need to think about, are we seeing people? We're not asking to create perfect parents, but we are saying, let's create supportive environments around our parents so that in the mess and the hard work of parenting, they're able to flourish. At the simplest level, what I'm saying is we need to co connect with expecting parents and create these supportive spaces so that they in turn can do the same for their, their children. Um, and therefore we see that the church is uniquely positioned to do this that it all does come back to love, that the power of the gospel and the church is that we can meet this primary need of love, kindness, and connection, and we can help people feel like they are belong and supported, that they are able to then provide nurturing care to their children. And when we see this happening in our churches and our communities, we will see children who are thriving and flourishing. So I would put it to you, let us be the church that prioritizes creating the kinds of safe, supportive spaces for families to journey with them and to help them to flourish in their parenting so they in turn can help their children to flourish. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our channel, Living Social Justice, on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can also find more resources on our website, commongood.org.za including our Justice Journey courses, devotional content and volunteering.